You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. People today overlook the Bible just like Adam and Eve overlooked the tree of life. Men today say that the Bi- that, that man has evolved. Culture has changed. The Bible doesn't apply. The Bible's archaic. It's irrelevant. They say they're so blind to, to, to all the truth. So they go through their life of sin sorrow, and death, trying to figure it out. The Word of God has a supernatural capacity to speak into the lives of anyone, no matter what their circumstance might be. It crosses borders and cultural divides, as well as language barriers, and it touches the heart of everyone that hears it. As such a powerful instrument of God's will, it's at the center of many of the enemy's attacks. As Pastor Dion will point out in today's message, the world is actively seeking to bring the Bible down and mark it as unreliable, but it's as steadfast as the God who's inspired it. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, as he begins his message, What Makes the Bible Holy? We're going to continue our series called Foundations, where we have been looking at uh, examining the foundations of our Christian faith. We have talked about God the Father. We have talked about Jesus the Son. We have talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the Holy Bible. Everybody say it out loud. The Holy Bible. We're going to investigate what makes the Holy Bible holy right? I mean, obviously, it's, it's got to be a foundation to our Christian faith because it's where we get our information. And so, you know, what makes it holy? What makes it uh, what it is? Well, we'll get into it. So look at your neighbor and say, fasten your seatbelt. And let's start with a prayer. Father, I want to say thank you for your amazing grace that you extend to us each and every day, answering our prayers, helping us in our uh, difficulties and our stresses, and just uh, healing our hurts. You are amazing in a million ways. And we just want to say thank you. We also want, Lord, to ask that as we get into our study this morning, that you would speak to us. That it wouldn't just be an information dump, but Lord, it would be a transformation, uh, an awakening on the inside of us as we understand Scripture. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So listen, I don't have some specific, uh, a specific text I'm going to read through, uh, but I am going to share various scriptures. So if you're here, grab your notebook and get ready. If you're at home, grab your notebook and your cup of coffee and get prepared to write these down and take some notes. Um, it's going to be great information. So listen, here's how I'll start. There are a handful of sacred books in the world that claim to be divine. There is the Quran which is the Muslim Bible. And the Muslims claim that an archangel gave the Quran a little bit at a time over 23 years to Muhammad, who was an illiterate prophet. All right? 
Muhammad miraculously read this um, text that the angel gave him and copied the text, and thus it became the Muslim Bible. Now, the original that Muhammad copied from is conveniently, they say, kept in heaven. All right? And there is only one copy of Muhammad's text, uh, one of his copies that exists. And it is very new by dating standards. And there is no other verification of authenticity available to endorse that particular book. Interesting. Then there's also this um, sacred book, The Pearl of Great Price. It's the Mormon Bible. Joseph Smith claims that an angel named Moroni appeared to him and gave him some golden plates that had some ancient hieroglyphics on them along with a special pair of eyeglasses to interpret the hieroglyphics. The Mormon Bible, guys, is a word-for-word interpretation of the hieroglyphics that were on the golden plates. Now, the golden plates have never been found. But much later, uh, I think it was in the 70s, the Mormons brought some ancient hieroglyphics claiming that they were copies of their sacred text. But the Smithsonian Institute refuted and repudiated their claims. They said, no, in fact, the things you brought don't have anything to do with the text that you say that, uh, you, that you claim to have. Not even close. Everybody say, oops, oops. There's another sacred book called the New World Translation. It's the Jehovah Witness Bible. Now, in 1950, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society published a translation of the Holy Bible. All right, so they got the Holy Bible and they made a translation. But the translation twisted and altered the original Bible text to accommodate their teachings and their practices. Kind of like Benjamin Franklin, if you didn't know, who picked and chose verses from the Bible. He cut them out and made his own version of the Bible. It's called accommodation theology. All right? A theology that accommodates me. It's kind of like tailoring a recipe to suit your palate. Something that the Bible preaches against. In fact, here's a verse. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says this, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teachings. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Wow. Another sacred book is A Course in Miracles. It is the New Age and Reformed Hindu Bible. An atheistic psychologist by the name of Dr. Helen Schuchman claimed that she channeled a voice from inside her psyche. The paranormal voice told her that she would be a medium for this book 
called the course of miracles. Over an eight-year period, she dictated or wrote down whatever the paranormal voice, whatever came out of her mouth. And it became known as the New Age Bible. No verification can be made as to the origin or the authority of the voice. Everybody say, spooky. Look at your neighbor and say, spooky, right? It's a spooky little girl like her. She's the one in the song there. Now, is the Bible that we hold and respect just another one of those types of books? Or is it something more? Okay, first, let's consider the author of the Holy Bible. The Bible was written by mere men, right? After all, isn't that one of the excuses people give for not believing it? But after closer examination of the Bible, it would seem that the Bible's author was more than a man. See, the Bible's contents suggest, no, 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 it insists that the author is a divine sovereign. See, the Holy Bible is more than a compilation of wise sayings. It is more than quips, quotes, and anecdotes. The Bible is more than a record of historical accounts. The Holy Bible revealed things centuries before scientific discoveries. It revealed that the earth was suspended in space before that was ever discovered. It, the Bible reveals that the earth was round and not flat before they ever figured it out. The Bible revealed that the earth rotates around the sun. The Holy Bible gives specifics about biology and microbiology, atoms, again, centuries before scientists ever figured it out. The Bible also revealed events, centuries and decades before they happened. And not just generalizations. I mean, you know, somebody could stand up and say, oh, you know, now uh, China is going to take over the world. Because it would seem that way. But the Bible doesn't just give specific, it doesn't give generalizations like that about coming events. The Bible gave specific details, places, people, and even names. It named Cyrus to be the king of Persia before he was even born. Isn't that crazy? It's almost as if the author of the Holy Bible was outside time and space. Then there is this fact. The Bible is, has 40 different contributors writing independently, spread over 1,500 years, compassing three, or, or, compassing three continents and three different languages. But all of those 40 authors communicated a unified message. Now, consider that. Two people is a coincidence. Two people spread over that amount of time, over two, three different continents. I mean, two people having the same message, that would be a coincidence, right? 
I mean, three people would be a pattern. But 40 is an undeniable miracle. Look at your neighbor and say, seguro. Seguro. Now, all 40 of the Bible's contributors, they told one story, communicated one message. One story. God's story. Everybody said out loud, what? They didn't talk about themselves. It all, all, they all had something to say. They all shared what, what, what was given them. And it all turned out to be one big story. And the story was God's story. You see, the Bible is God's autobiography. His self-revelation. His self-disclosure. His self-unmasking. God took the initiative to make himself known. You see, the natural knowledge of his existence, like creation and biology, they tell us that God is. Everybody say, God is. Right? You look at the stars, you look at the planets, you look at creation, and you say, God is. You look at your physical body, and you look at the biology and how it's composed, and I mean, how it works, and you, you say, God is. Everybody say it out loud. God is. There's a designer, a divine sovereign. But that knowledge is still incomplete and insufficient. Natural knowledge, like as I said, reveals that God is. But it doesn't reveal who God is. So God took the initiative of self-disclosure. In the Bible, God reveals His nature, His character, His attributes. He leaves nothing to speculation or individual interpretation. He reveals himself to us. In the Bible, God revealed and proved that he is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, transcendent above all. He revealed that he is omnipresent, that he is immutable, that he never changes. In the Bible, God revealed his ways, his will, his wants, he revealed his love, his holiness, his justice. You guys got it? So we see that there's something divine about the Holy Bible. And then the way the Bible was written is called this. Everybody say it out loud. Divine inspiration. Say it again. Divine inspiration. God spoke to the 40 contributors of the Bible through a variety of methods. Audible words. He spoke to them through angels, through dreams, through visions, through events, through inner promptings, through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's how God spoke to them. In fact, listen to how the Apostle Paul explained it. In 2 Timothy 3.16, here it is. Read it with me out loud. All Scripture is given by, everybody, inspiration of God. And then the Apostle Peter explained it like this. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by, everybody, the Holy Spirit. So the Scripture emphasizes that all Scripture is inspired by God. Can we say that out loud again? What? Inspired by God. The phrase means God breathed. Say that out loud. What? God breathed. 
It's illustrated this way, when God breathed into the form that he fashioned out of the dirt in the very beginning. It says he breathed into his lungs and man became a living soul. God breathed his words in a variety of ways to 40 different men over 1,500 years. All the men maintained their own individual personalities and styles and opinions. Some even disagreed with God's message. (laughs) Jonah didn't want to preach what God told him to. But he did anyway because, hey. I mean, so these guys, they weren't Autobots. They were inspired. Everybody said aloud what? Inspired. So here's what we know about the Bible thus far. The Bible, its author, obviously is a divine sovereign. We know him to be God. God is the one who gave self-disclosure. That's what the Bible's all about. His story, letting us know not just that he is, but who he is. It's his story. Nudge your neighbor and say, it's his story. The way God communicated that information was divine inspiration. God breathed in an audible voice, in dreams, in visions. He breathed that word. And the authors were inspired. Now we have some understanding of what inspiration is. Inspired musicians... Artists and engineers can compose some amazing things. Michelangelo's painting in the Sistine Chapel, everybody say, inspired, right? Not the, not the painting itself, but he was inspired, made the painting. Beethoven's symphony, the Eureka, right? Those were a product. Those things were a product of inspiration, the result of inspiration. God's Word is the source of inspiration. You guys get this? It's important to know. What do I mean by that? God's Word, God's words have God's life in them. So, when God spoke to these men, they were inspired to write it down. But understand, more than just the messenger was inspired. It was the message, the words themselves that were inspired. God's word have God's life in them. That's why Paul said this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Read it out loud with me. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Say it again. The word of God is alive. So that's why the book that we hold Though it might just be words and punctuation. Ha-ha. <laughs> it might just be, uh, you know, the compilation of those things. But it is so much more. It's alive because it's God's breath. Not just in the one who spoke it, but in the words themselves. And that's why God's Word is alive and powerful. See, the men God chose heard God's message and wrote it down. They were inspired. But more than that, the words are inspired, as I said, alive and powerful. The words in the Holy Bible are pregnant with life, with light, with peace, with hope, with faith, with courage. 
The words of God have the power of God in them. And it's the reason Jesus could say, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Say it out loud. Spirit and life. So the book we hold, because of its author, is alive. It's living. The words in there. Yeah, go ahead. And say, it's alive, right? It's alive. It has life in it. Listen, there are only three things that plague the human race. Only three. How many? Now, we, we could all, I could ask you, and you have a bunch of things. Well, what about this? And what about that? And this plagues. How could you say that there's only three? Well, everything, every negative thing falls under three categories. Sin, sorrow, and death. Say it out loud. Sin, sorrow, and death. Every negative thing in life falls under one of those three. From addiction to arrogance, from disease to divorce, from viruses to violence. All of them fall under either sin, sorrow, or death. The Bible, the Holy Bible, is the only book on earth that has the answers for all three problems. The Bible is like the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. You remember when God created, put Adam and Eve there? There was obviously, we know about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but there was another tree there, the tree of life. Now think about it. The tree of eternal life. But Adam and Eve, unfortunately, were more interested with the tree of knowledge and self-improvement People today also overlook the Bible just the same. Because the Bible is like the tree of life in the middle of a garden. In it, it has the, the power to give us courage and life, eternal life. Isn't that awesome? It has the power to give us illumination, encouragement, inspiration. But people overlook it. You know, people today overlook the Bible just like Adam and Eve overlooked the tree of life. Men today say that the that the man has evolved. Culture has changed. The Bible doesn't apply. The Bible's archaic. It's irrelevant. They say they're so blind to, to, to all the truth. So they go through their life of sin, sorrow, and death, trying to figure it out but they're like a colorblind man trying to fix a Rubik's Cube. As we cling to the simple... You've been listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova. We're so glad that you're here today. Pastor Dion has been getting up close and personal with the foundations of the Christian faith. And what better place to start than in the beginning? That's right, all the way back in Genesis 1 verse 1, which says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You might wonder why that would matter to the faith, but it really is one of the foundations. Think of it this way. 
The one who has the power to create galaxies out of nothing has the power to move in your life and circumstances. When you know that it was God who made it all, you can know that it's still God who's in control of it all. No matter how out of control the world might feel, you have this foundation to stand on. God created the world. He created you. And He has plans for you that have been in place since before the world began. Now that's a firm foundation. Thanks for joining us here today. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. We're coming close to the end of our time here today, but if you don't want it to end, I have some great news for you. Are you ready? We've got more great messages stored up for you. Just head on over to tmcalvary.com to find them. At tmcalvary.com, you'll find a link to our YouTube archives with hundreds of messages from Pastor Dion. Okay, well, we've run out of time for today, but we'll be back again with more from Pastor Dion right here on The Simple Truth. See you then. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we